You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 352. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 352. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. <laughs> hey, people. Oh, my gosh. Mr. How are you? You. I, I tricked you. You did. You did. So <laughs> I think we've we've told them before that you do like a little countdown. Countdown. Like, so I have a moment of silence and I count down like I do on TV, like three, two, one, go. Yeah. And you know, normally you would like throw it over with, with your index finger. Yeah, your pointer finger. Your pointer finger. Right. But Mr. Smith at the very last minute throws it over to me with a pinky. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep you on your toes, yeah, so or like, on your pinky. There's a, a little little background insider information there. For a little you. behind the scenes, I know. <laughs> a little behind the scenes. <laughs> so uh, you don't know this. I don't know this. But we are going to be quizzing your ass today. <sighs> really? Yes. Oh. All right, you, I'm up. I'm you, up for it. you don't think you're up for it? Well, I mean, I, who likes a pop quiz? Ever? I mean. But you're you're a cocky motherfucker, so I would think. <laughs> so you got to take me down. <laughs> <laughs> I well. So we got to lower you down a notch or two. We just got to no. You take have you a, from six five to six three. You've got a good streak going. On, I do. On the I missed one on the last false. one. I felt, okay. I felt. I still regret that. You do. Yeah. It haunts you. I, in it's your still. I still have nightmares. I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you failed at personal development. Babe. I did. No, I got I think, a nine of ten. But I feel like it might have been. Didn't you redeem yourself in some way? Oh, and I, you were like, I get a half point. You were. <laughs> I did. I, I did. Like that. I did. Yeah. So I got a nine and a half out of ten. So we have a true or false edition, and or another true or false game. This is inner critic edition, and we did this. Gosh, maybe four years ago, we did something mm. oh, yeah, like yeah, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember And I've that, added yeah. a couple of newer ones and see what you've learned over the last let's, four years. <laughs> let's see what I've retained. If you've not tuned what me out. What have you retained? What have you retained? But but I can see that you really would like to have your your segment. Oh, you, you can? I can tell by How your, can you see that? I can tell by your body language. You can tell by my posturing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> by my giddiness? Yeah, you look Giggity goo. You look really excited about it. So, okay. why don't we pass it? So, okay, let's do it. We do a segment on the show that I like to call Would you rather? <laughs> yes, we do. And uh, to, <laughs> today's would you rather is Why are you so silly today? I don't know. I don't know. I've... I love it. I like where your head's at. <laughs> I've had a little bit too much crack. Uh-oh. So it's kind of, I'm over the edge. Okay. The edge. Would you rather turn around at least three times before you sit down anywhere? You could turn around more if you wanted to. Or, <laughs> if you wanted to. <laughs> or do a five-second jig before you go through any doorway. <laughs> oh, my God. You could do more. You could do a longer jig if you wanted to, too. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> So the first one is if you sit down. Yeah, if you any, if you ever sit down anywhere, you have to turn around three times, like a like dogs do. Yeah, yeah. You know they have to like kind of round about and then they're sit trampling the grass. Yeah. Okay, 
And then the other one is anytime you go in a doorway. Through a doorway. Five second jig. Okay. Five so, second jig. But, but when so you let's pretend I'm doing a jig real quick. And let's pretend. Like, let's pretend. Let's actually see you do it. I'm going to do it. Ready? One, right, I'll count. Five, four, <laughs> two, one. Oh my God. If we had cameras. That. So I would have to do that. Well, is it in your doorway in your house or is it like at Any. the bank? Okay. Any doorway. That would take forever to get through. It's kind of like an OCD. Both of them are kind of OCD. Actually. They kind of are. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm just trying to think about like the, just the sheer volume of doorways we have in our house. How many... But how many times do you sit down? Like, Yeah. You get up and sit down a lot too. I do. Oh, my God. If I had to do that during a session... Oh my gosh! Because you do get up and <laughs> up and down a lot. I'm moving it all over the place. So yeah, that would be. You would probably just stay standing. Uh, well, there's like when you're working on people's necks or things like that. I'm always well, you know, and you're supposed down. to not lose contact with the body too, right? And so yeah. then when you turn yeah. around, you'd be like trying to hold on to people still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're spotting and dance. Kind of like when you have a bat on your forehead yes. and you're spinning around, you always have to keep contact with the bat. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. What would you choose? I would um, love to see your happy ass do a jig every time you went through a door. I, I don't know. It, it'd be uh, a little obtrusive. It, it'd be I'm like, not a small person. Out of your periphery, you'd be like, what the? What, what, the, what, what, what the? Why is that giant man doing? <laughs> I would probably do a seven second jig. Just to You're going to up the ante. You know, yeah, yeah. Make it a little extra mm-hmm. awkward. Just a little spice. But think a little about. spice on top. To get, to get into this room where we're our bougie beige podcast room. Yeah. We have one, From, two, two, three, what? four doors, four doorways. One, two, three. Yeah, I'd have to do at least uh, 20 seconds of jig to get to the kitchen. <laughs> you were calculating <laughs> to go downstairs? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. 20 seconds of jig. 20 seconds. <laughs> Hashtag 20 seconds of jig. 20. Yeah, can we get that trending? <laughs> but you wouldn't. We would just have to, we could have very easily walked up the stairs, spun around three times, and then sat in our bougie based chairs. That's true. We wouldn't. You would only have. Can you imagine the. What is that? That's about five seconds. Turn around three times, right? It would be such a traffic jam in the doorways. <laughs> <laughs> you, like if you chose spin and I chose jig, you'd have to wait behind me or I'd have to let you go before me. I'd have to go before you. Yeah, I'd be like, go ahead. I got to do my jig. <laughs> <laughs> seconds of jig okay i think well i love the idea of the jig so much just like elbows out elbows out knees out squat down i love it Uh, i just think about going into a restaurant going to you know the gym right oh the bank and then if so then if you're at the doctor's office you go into the bank, you do a jig. Mm-hmm. What if it has like two doorways? You do a jig. Every doorway. Every Any do- doorway. And then they're like, ma'am, go ahead and come over here and we'll discuss your, your loan. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you have to go through the. <laughs> wow. Uh, you can put it's, on tap shoes if you wanted. Oh my gosh. Know, make it a little more I interesting. Have, I actually have tap shoes. Do you? So I might erase you one. I might have I, to tap but I think, out on that. I think I would do the spinning. The circle. You would do the the, the circle sit. The circle sit. I think I would do the circle. You'll do sit. circle sit. Okay. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna do jig. Please pick jig. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do jig. Okay. Yeah. I think I, it's, it'd be hard to be in a bad mood every time you go through a doorway. It maybe get old, but I just think it would be like a little lively. <laughs> I feel very Irish. Yeah, it's good posture for happiness. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Spinning well, around three times just makes you dizzy. I'm not into that. <laughs> 
I just think the the amount of times I would have to jig <laughs> is just in a day too many jigs. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So we would love to hear what you would rather. Come hang out with us. We have a free Facebook group that's really awesome. Lots of cool peeps in it. And we talk about personal development. We talk about uh, our warm, fuzzy Wednesdays. And every Monday we do a little discussion about the Would You Rather. So we'd love to have you come and hang out. And I do bonus trainings over there where you can get additional questions answered and support. Find us at thejoyjunkie.com slash club, and that will redirect you right over to our little corner of Facebook. I missed the after hours. Did you say after hours? I maybe didn't. I don't think you did. I just said a free Facebook group. It's yeah. called the Joy Junkie After Hours Club. After hours. <laughs> I love how, you know what? <laughs> you get most improved. <laughs> you get voted most improved. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to give you a fucking warm fuzzy. <gasps> I love warm fuzzies. <laughs> Yay! I caught it. We haven't given warm fuzzies in a while, but I, a while. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of them. Oh yeah! Oh, because I'm going to get all these right. Because if you get these right, yes. I have a lot of I have a lot of faith in you. Do you have? Let me see how many warm fuzzies you have over there. You can't see. I can't see. No. Okay, we'll wait till after the <laughs> podcast, and I'll check your warm fuzzies out. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Hey. 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 Oh. All right. All right. Let's talk Let's about get serious. personal development. Okay. You're so silly today. I am. I don't, I am. I don't know why, but I love it. <laughs> it's making me very happy. <laughs> okay. okay. So we are going to play a game of true and false. Everybody out there, I want you to play along with us. And then I will elaborate on each point. We have 10 statements. Are you ready, Mr. Smith? I'm ready. TNF, it's called, for those in the know. Bad <laughs> <Dad> humor. <laughs> Number one, your inner critic can communicate with you in ways besides self-talk. Yes. Why? Um, and I would like for you to say true or false, uh, True. Yeah, sorry. I'm only accepting those. <laughs> uh, it's not TF and Y. That's it's right. TNF. Yes. There's, there's feelings that you get that aren't necessarily voices. You get the feels? Yeah, you get feelings that may not... Uh, be your what you're truly feeling. I don't know. Wait. Did I lose you? <laughs> get, yeah. You get feelings that might not be your true feelings. Well, what I'm saying is, like, you might get okay. So, voices and thoughts are different to me. Yes. So I think that's where I'm coming at is if if there's a voice that has like for me, the, my inner critic has voices. I have several of them, but they have different voices. Okay. One whispers, one is a kid, one is grouchy, like they're yeah. different. So I can kind of feel like, okay, those are my inner critics. Right. Whereas if I'm just having thoughts, they aren't necessarily have that tone to them. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, well, I don't know if that's what you're getting at, but. No, but that's a very interesting perspective. Okay. But you still get a warm fuzzy. Yay! Booyah. Because that was correct. And you're right. I think you're kind of dancing around this same, this concept that we get messages around things that we're insecure about or that we might be fearful of or things like that through actual emotions. Not It's not always literal words that we hear in our mind. Right. Sometimes it's just a concept, something that you kind of just believe, but you don't hear a, like a very specific narrative in your mind. 
some people do. Some people feel things more. So it comes through more as an emotion. For example, sometimes if I'm scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, which is a huge trigger for a lot of people, and I see somebody who has a, a, a level of success that I would like to attain, I don't in my head hear you're not good enough or you can't have that, but I get a sinking feeling kind of in my gut. And so if I look at that emotion, that feeling of sort of a despondence or a sadness, I can look behind it and go, what was that about? What was that emotion actually about? Hmm. And that's when I can discover what the concept or the thought, to your point, might be behind it. And that's usually when I realize that the emotion was saying, oh, you're you're not as successful or you're not moving as fast as you need to be moving in okay, your career. Okay. That's, that's clear, a little more clear. But it's really fun for me to see you try to put <laughs> language around this stuff. It's like you putting language around what I do. Exactly. It's always interesting, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, number two. You can never completely silence your inner critic. True. Okay. I'm going to say true because they're a part of us. Ding, 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 ding. Yay. Warm fuzzy too. Yep. You, no, I think that's your third. Is I gave, third? I gave you a bonus one at the Oh, end. I got a, I did. You're right. That's right. I meant in the quiz itself. In the actual quiz, yes. You can never completely silent your, silence your inner critic because it is directly tethered to our fear response. Mm-hmm. And we cannot eradicate fear. We can't just simply stop experiencing triggers but what we can do is change the way that we respond to them. The way we interact, yeah. And I find that a lot of times when I'm working with my students or clients through Deep Down and Dirty, they will get frustrated with themselves if they still have a negative thought or a negative emotion. And one of the things that I'm always trying to reinforce is it's not about not ever having that again. Yeah. It's about catching it and rerouting it. And then what happens is it becomes a newer reality. It becomes a new normal when you consistently shut off negative thoughts that are coming through your mind or disempowering self-talk statements. So you okay. are absolutely right. You can Perfect. never completely silence your inner critic. Yeah. It's it's also there because what it's doing sort of on a more of a scientific level is our minds register two things pretty much. Whether something is known to us, it's familiar, or it's unknown. Yeah. So if we want to do something new and different, like start speaking up for ourselves or stop people-pleasing, our mind registers that, that as – we don't know that. We don't – no, wait, wait, no uh, – this seems really unsafe. Send in the inner critic. Gotcha. And that's when the inner critic starts telling you all the reasons why you shouldn't start that business or why you shouldn't get back in the dating scene or why you aren't good enough. So at its essence, it really is trying to keep us safe. It's trying to keep us in alignment with the knowns. Mm, so yeah, that's sense. why eradicating it or thinking that I'm going to finally get to the bottom of it where I'll never feel it again is not only impossible, but really discouraging as a goal. For sure. All right. Number three. Number three. Your inner critic only says blatantly mean things. No. I say I am only going to tell you one more time. 
<laughs> That's not how the game played. So it's called true or false. False. Okay, and why? Sorry. <laughs> wow. Say it again. I got distracted now. With my reprimand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your inner critic only says blatantly mean things. No, it can say things that are kind, but they can also be snarky. They can be. They, they can have all different types of of um, angles to them. I don't think that has to be just one. You get a warm fuzzy. Woo-hoo! Yes. Okay. So, little side note: if you hear our <laughs> yeah, gardener. our gardeners out in the yard right now. So we've been trying to not have it be super loud, but if you hear that, that's what's happening. We don't have like a vibrator going or anything. <laughs> okay, so you're inter- just, just on the floor going. Just, just yeah. <laughs> good vibes, good vibes only. Good vibes. <laughs> okay, just, just for background noise. This is know. yeah, it's a white noise. <laughs> this is uh, all your fault, actually. It's all my fault because you've been squirrely from the beginning. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It can also say things that are straight up disempowering. In fact, that's one of the ways that it kind of gets around some of the topics that you might be thinking about. So for example, it might say something like, oh, that's just not realistic or mm-hmm. oh, that's not really possible. Right. Things that keep you safe, right? That's not that's not the way it's always been. Yeah. That's not the state of the economy. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem very smart. You know, like it doesn't have to be super acrimonious and biting. Sometimes it's just straight up disempowering. Right. So good job. Three for three. Boom. Number four, although it doesn't feel like it, your inner critic is actually just a human defense mechanism. I would say true because it's attached to fear, right? Very good. Yeah. Warm fuzzy. Warm fuzzies up on the hill. You know how we do. That's right. So absolutely. And it is a part of our natural defense mechanism. Just like I was talking about a little bit earlier, it's whenever there's a perceived threat that – and oftentimes a perceived threat is just simply change. Mm-hmm. Think about how often when you go to do something new, whether it's have a tough conversation or interview for a new job or – A new exercise at the gym. Anything. Any, anything like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that might not be as fear-based, but – It is it, sometimes. It, like, could, it could be. I, I have been that way because I have back injuries. Oh, yeah. So I'm always a little hesitant to do new exercises because I'm not sure if it's going to hurt me or not. Well, and that's a really, really great point that you just brought up because if you think about the tether of the inner critic to fear, fear is – is that emotion, it's that defense mechanism, it's the thing that we feel that says, okay, move away from this thing or this thing is not not good right. for you, like Don't right? touch a hot stove kind of thing, right? Yeah. Right. The problem with that is the fear response and then in addition, the inner critic, show up in situations where you actually aren't in danger. Right, right, right. So for example, having fear around let's say running around without a mask or being in a big crowd or something like that, the idea of fear in those situations are warranted because it actually is an imminent threat. There's actually a danger. But being, and I mean like an actual danger of your life, of your health. Yeah. Being overcome with negative self-talk or fear around how a group is going to accept you Yes. That fear is not as warranted because you aren't 
going to die if they don't accept you. Yeah. So if you can think about it in those terms, I think that that can be really helpful because there isn't there isn't just one way in which fear is good or bad or anything like that. It just is. And then it's up for us to decipher, am I actually in danger here? So it is definitely a defense mechanism. Good job. Yeah. Number five. The best way to refute your inner critic is with positive affirmations. I'm going to say false. Okay. You don't always have to be positive with them. Yes. First of all. Okay. And if you're saying an affirmation, it has to be something you believe. That's right. So positive affirmation in and of itself wouldn't be the only way you could. Yes. Absolutely. Good job. One poser. Yes, absolutely. Good, good, good. So it is, it's one way to refute the inner critic, but most of the time what's happening is you are, you really believe that you're not good enough or you really believe that you're, it's not possible for you or that nobody likes you. So then if you try to lay on top of that, this idea of you're super lovable, everyone loves you or you know, you are enough or all of these things. Usually that is like taking somebody from A to Z instead of really meeting you yourself where you are. So one of the things that I spend a whole week on with with my deep down and dirty students is talking about progressive language mm-hmm. and ways that we can start speaking to ourselves in a way in which we actually believe it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is I feel like he- hearing these things in a podcast is helpful, raises awareness. But it's it's a difficult switch to switch right over from thinking that you're not enough and saying that you are right versus kind of disempowering that and actually feeling like you are enough right right and that's where your program comes in if I'm not mistaken it's one of the ways well it's also something that takes time to change because it's something that we believed for so long. So part of that process is accessing the subconscious mind, which we talk about a lot. And one of the ways to do that is with repetition over a longer period of time. Because basically what it's like, it's it's as though that inner critic is a little a little guard dog or a little bouncer at the mm-hmm. the door and you are keep knocking like, no, 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 I want to believe I'm enough. Let me in, let me yeah. in, let me in. Okay. And it keeps saying no over and over again, but it will eventually fatigue. And that's when you're able to, and that's with repetition, that's when you're able to have a new belief actually anchor into your subconscious mm. and become your new, your new kind of governing stance. But that's one of the reasons why we talk about it a lot. And we talk about this idea that uh, you can use progressive language, something that is, you know, I'm exploring what it looks like to believe something different about myself. Yeah. Saying something like that, or I am open to the possibility of loving my body, things like that, that you don't say, I love who I am right away. It's like a gateway mantra. It is. (laughs) It's a gateway (laughs) mantra. That's right. (laughs) And it can be really helpful because you're you're exploring something. You're not saying hard and fast, this is exactly what's happening. Gotcha. Okay. Until you are able to, because then that does happen where you get to a point now for, for myself, and I would hope for you as well, where I can very easily say, no, I'm incredibly smart. I love who I am. I am absolutely worthy. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean that I don't have hardships or triggers or things that spiral me. 
but that is the minority. The majority of my life, I'm unwavering in those beliefs. That's one of the things I've really enjoyed about our journey is seeing both of us change in that way. Totally. Because we were both given messages as, as young people on what we were and what we weren't. Right. And it took us proving that wrong over and over and over again for us to actually get here. Yeah. Right. And yeah, we still have our struggles, but we're, we definitely believe in ourselves a lot more than we did back then. Back when we were kiddos. Back in the D. <laughs> yeah. Way back in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are interested in really making that shift, in, and to Mr. Smith's point, if you've been feeling like you are doing all of the consuming, consuming all the podcasts, all the books, and you aren't actually implementing anything or you're not seeing a significant change, there's probably a very strong reason for that. And I have a completely free workshop that you can very easily find by going to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop where I chronicle five major shifts that you have to make in order to change that subconscious narrative. And one of the major pieces of that is not just chanting positive affirmations that feel like a big fat lie. There's a disconnect between the conscious and the subconscious when you do that Mm -hmm. because consciously you're going, okay, here's what I should be believing. Subconsciously, there's a deep-rooted belief that you aren't valuable or you're not enough or you need to make everyone else happy. And then when those two things are in opposition, we call that cognitive dissonance. It's when they're not congruent. And it doesn't work also largely because our conscious mind is 12% of our mind. Is that right? I didn't know that. Yes. And that's where logic, reason, rationale, willpower is housed. Mm. 88% of the mind is our subconscious. And that's where beliefs, values, and habits reside. Wow. So if you've got 88% of your mind saying you're not enough, Mm. and then you cloak on this 12% idea of, oh yeah, no, speak speak nicely to myself. If you're not changing that subconscious belief, all you're doing is is a band-aid that you don't really believe. Yeah, that's kind of the word I was looking at too. So good job. All right. Let's see, where are we at? Number six, once you do work around your inner critic, you'll always be able to catch it and reroute your thoughts. I'm going to say false because they're pretty tricky. A little sneaky They're little sneaky devil. little fuckers. <laughs> they call them the weasels. Um, oh, do they? Yeah. <laughs> no. The ominous they. Yeah. They call it weasels. The mind is always trying to find ways around things. So I would I would think that that would be a false. You are correct. Hoo-ah! That's absolutely true. And it's true that you're false, that it's false. <laughs> <laughs> so once you do your work on your inner critic, you've done some work around your inner critic. Right. That's you've never reached nirvana. Right. right. Yeah. And it's similar to what we were talking about earlier with you can never completely silence your inner critic because it is part of our fear response. It's who we are. It's who we are. And what will happen is you will reach kind of a certain level and you'll conquer something. It'll feel great. And then you'll get triggered in a, in a different scenario. New challenge. Yeah. So, for example, I've done, you know, a lot of work around body image stuff. And then my knees started giving me trouble. And it was like, oh, got to contend with that again now? It, yes. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. 
things that I've done a ton of work around family of origin or religious upbringing, that kind of stuff, still will get triggered. So you don't become invincible to it, but what you do become is incredibly aware of what's happening so that you don't succumb to it, so that you can actually reroute it. Yeah. Okay. So good job, Mr. Smith. Well, thank you. Number seven, as you grow and evolve, so does your inner critic. I'm going to say true. I don't know why, but I'm going to say true. Well, you you just kind of alluded to it in your last statement. As we grow and evolve, our inner critic, which is also a part of our defense mechanism, it's part of our own psyche. I got gotcha. Of course, that's going to continue to grow and develop as well. Sure, sure. So I did a podcast years ago. We'll link to it in the show notes called New Level, New Devil. And <laughs> That's great. It is. It, I mean, and it's kind of to your point now, like the things that we struggle with now oh, are sure. very different than the sense. things we struggled with 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even. Sure. And so the narrative, the thing that my inner critic was attached to at those times is very different than what it's attached to now or even what it sounds like or how it comes across. Yeah. So yeah. definitely, as you grow and evolve, so does your inner critic. All right, number eight. One of the trickiest elements of the inner critic is that all statements are presented as truth. Repeat the question. One of the trickiest elements of the inner critic is that all statements are presented as truth. I'm going to say true. Why? Because I think that's the purpose is to try to present as truth to protect you. Very good. Ding, Ooh. ding, ding. Here's where a warm fuzzy would be if we're still giving them out. <laughs> we haven't had to give out any cold pricklies. Cold pricklies, yeah. Well, there's several people I can think of that could use one. <laughs> yeah. None of you listening or no. us in the room. No. But uh, there's there's people in the world I'd give a cold prickly to for sure. <laughs> if, if we were to give a cold prickly, this is what it would sound like. Here's what a cold prickly would sound like. Yeah. Just to, you know, spice it up a little. Right. That one's my favorite, though. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty funny. Okay. So you are – that was definitely true. One of the trickiest pieces of the inner critic is that it will relay information to you in what I like to call absolutes. You have to. You always. That's not possible. It's where it's kind of – yeah, exactly. Unrefutable. Where this is how it is and it is the truth. And it will remain true until you start to unpack it. Now, it's true based off of your own reasoning, your own inferences and conclusions that you've made over the course of your life. But it's still true to you. It Mm -hmm. it feels very, very real. I think we do that in our relationships too. How so? We use language like, you never let me finish or you always uh, leave your shoes in the doorway or whatever. In absolutes. And that puts up walls. Completely. Yeah. You're, that's definitely spot on because we oftentimes will make these huge generalizations like that. And one of the ways that you can refute that in your own mind with the inner critic is to go, wait, always? Mm-hmm. Wait, never? Wait, right. it's really not possible? Can you do that with your significant other as well? You can. Yeah. You, <laughs> it may backfire on you. You but. may want to say it with a lot of grace and kindness. <laughs> but you can you could say something like, I don't know if if it's always. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if that's fair to say never. Yeah. You I think that's a good statement right say there. Say something like that. 
Okay, number nine, a great tool in helping to tame your inner critic is to personify it, to give it a name, an identity, etc. True. Done that with many of mine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And did you ever draw pictures or anything? I did. Uh, well, I didn't draw pictures, but I looked on the internet for pictures to identify them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you did that work with a coach. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have. That's you're right. It's true. Warm fuzzy. Warm be, fuzzy. Would all be up here. in here. I think I just pr- made a visual in my mind, and it was kind of like a Sims character. It was kind. I of, remember you telling me this. Yeah. She kind of looks like Lara Croft, <laughs> like flawless body car- cartoon though. Mm-hmm. And th- her name was Angelica, and she was like, I do remember that. very, like. It's just such a perfectionist. Wasn't but she I, in like a business suit or something too? I I see her in Lara Croft outfit, which Lara is Croft. weird. Oh, yeah, that's, that is odd. I don't know if it's like, oh, you think you're so badass. You think you're so hardcore <laughs> kind of thing. But Lara Croft really is. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Like, huh. oh, yeah, please kind of thing. Like oh, how cute. You, yeah. think you're, you think you're oh, so tough. Precious. Precious. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a great tool. Absolutely. And something that you've done is really – untangled multiple versions of inner critics. Mm -hmm. And some people feel that way. Some people like Mr. Smith will have multiple entities that you feel like you're getting information from. Some that are specifically around, well, what are they? Like there's some around productivity and. Like I have one who's named Sloth. Right. And he's the procrastinator. He's always like, you can do that later. There'll be plenty of time. He's kind of, kind of slow and Wants to put everything off. Wants to put everything off. He's, yeah, he, yeah. And then I have one who's kind of my inner child. He's my five-year-old that's always like, you want it now, you know, and like. Oh, I know that You know, one. he's the little more of the, um, the spontaneous one. So, yeah, I've got, I've got several. Yeah. I, I, I want to be mysterious, so I'll just leave it at those two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've heard there's another type of therapy or process with this stuff that you can talk about called parts therapy, where you look at all of the various parts of who you are. And it's some of them are like your your inner child, you know, the inner kid inside of you that maybe did not receive everything that you needed as, you know, as a youth. And so there are different ways to look at both your authentic self or your inner child or these different parts of you or your inner critic. So I don't think that it it's about one way, like you have to do it this way. Yeah. But this can be a very great tool. I've given that to a handful of people in Deep Down and Dirty as an assignment, and it's yielded a really great result. Nice. And it doesn't it also doesn't have to have like a name. It could be number two. It could yeah, be right, right. it could be the blue one. You know, (laughs) so all of that is really the only goal around it is that you would able you would be more apt to identify who's speaking to you and that that's actually thwarting what you really want in life and that that's not the voice that you actually want to listen to, that you would want to listen to your authentic self or who you truly are actively becoming. Mm -hmm. So, again, those are things that we really make a marked difference in and completely shift and change when we go through deep down and dirty. And I've seen hundreds of women do it. Yeah. Your first step, if you're interested in deep down and dirty, is to watch that workshop that I was mentioning earlier. Yep. It's completely free. Be sure to have a pen and paper handy. 
and take tons of notes. And at the end of that workshop, you will see a opportunity to book a one-on-one session with a member of my team to see if you want to dig deeper. Because when you watch the workshop, it'll be pretty clear to you like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's definitely yeah, me. That's or me. or right. you might be like, no, it's not. Right. And if it is you and you're like, I'm ready to really let go of this people-pleasing, this perfectionism, I've got to get rid of this self-doubt, being encompassed by fear all the time, and I just genuinely want to believe in myself. I want to believe that I am enough. That's one of the major through lines that I see with all of my students is is worthiness or deserving or enoughness, however they might phrase it. Uh, but again, your starting point is that workshop, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. Okay, are you ready for the final one? This is it. If I miss this one, I'm not perfect. I know. What are we going to do then? We'll have to do a pot on imperfection. That's right. Okay, number 10 is a common phrase used by the inner critic is what if. True. 10 for 10! Yeah, give me that. Womp fuzzy! Yay! It's my prize. I'll give it to you later. 10 warm fuzzies? Oh. <laughs> no, 10 warm fuzzies. The actual warm fuzzies? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, so Sorry, tell me why, why it's true. Ew. Ew to us. Ew. Ew to us. Ew. Because there is so many ways to take what if. Mm-hmm. What if can be – and usually the, the inner critic will take the what if into a negative place. Right. He'll say, well, what if you fail at that? Mm-hmm. Or what if you can't make that time? Or, you know, it'll – Kind of uh, what distract if they don't you. Don't like you. What mm-hmm. if you're not perfect? Right, right. Yeah, definitely. You know so, what I say? You can throw that in the trash. Can't. That's right. Check that's it in the fuck it bucket. Yeah, the fuck it bucket. That's the other. <laughs> one. I like that one better, actually. Yeah, the, most inner critics. That's one of the commonalities for many of us is going and spiraling into the what if ca- category, and we very, very rarely do a positive what if. We usually go to catastrophic what uh-huh. ifs. What if? I make a mess of this. What if they don't love me? What if they don't accept me? What if I don't get this job? What if, and we start kind of projecting and almost praying for the shit that we don't want to have happen. Yeah, yeah. So one of the tools that you can use is what I like to call good what if, bad what if. So it's whenever you're catching yourself going into a what if, because what you're doing is you're you're basically forecasting stuff. You're being a little fortune teller of what's to come. Mm-hmm. You might as well do a good what if. So you can do either something equally as hyperbolic and dramatic, like what if – I meet my soulmate at this event and we end up getting married and then there's somebody from, uh, I don't know, Bravo or some shit and they want to televise our wedding and then we get everything for free and then it leads to another career in television for me and my spouse. Like you can go into a what if good, like a what if fantasy, or you can also go into a what if reality where you go, okay, what, what is a very highly probable thing yeah. where you kind of bring yourself back down instead of going into what if catastrophe, what if negative. It's kind of similar to saying a mantra that you believe, right? Mm-hmm. And not just one that band-aids the That's issue. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the deal with playing good what if, bad what if is that what you want to do is distract your mind instead of 
watching that movie of mm. the horrible mm. catastrophe that you're what ifing about. So instead of being watching that channel, it's like you choose to change the channel. So choose to change that channel to something that w- is what you actually want to have happen. Mm. So it can be a realistic thing. It can be fantasy. It can be anything. But keep in mind that the purpose of it is to distract your mind from going into a negative place. Yeah. It's just to occupy the real estate with something much more enjoyable. I like it. Cool. All right. So I think you are 10 for 10, Mr. 10 Smith. 10 for 10 this time. Right are, you, on. are you feeling pretty fucking good? I do. I do. I've got all these warm fuzzies on. You look I feel cocky. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I got my warm... Uh, fur fuzzy coat. Nice. Yeah. Flexing over there. All right. <laughs> so we hope that you found this helpful and that you got also 10 out of 10. And if you didn't, no problem. There's ways for you to grow and stretch and change. So I would say take one takeaway from this podcast and look at what's one thing that I can start shifting. Maybe it is to be a little less hard on myself when I get triggered again after I feel like I've worked on something. Maybe it's to personify your inner critic and give it a name or them, a grouping of them, various types of identities. Maybe it's to play good what if or realistic what if and occupy your mind in a little bit of a different space. Or it might be to go check out that workshop and see if you want to take things to the next level so that you can really get to that place where you genuinely believe in your own your own worth and your own value. Like so that. again, that all links will be available for you in the show notes, or you can go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop and you can jump right in. Anything else you wanted to throw in the mix, babe? Well, with um, uh, naming your critic or identifying it, yeah. I think one of the reasons that that's so important is that when you hear that voice or whatever you it, it comes across to you the emotion or whatever it might be yep. you can go oh that's that you can label it yep right your mind can label that and go oh that's this talking and it gets you out uh thinking about how you can change that yep but what helped me was to be creative with it and not think of just you know like um a sloth or a Laura Croft, maybe it's an object, mm-hmm. maybe it's um, a, an actual person mm-hmm. in your life, like your dad or your mom or somebody else that you can identify. Um, it might be an object like a chair or- it, Or like a big boulder. A big boulder, yeah. So get creative with how you identify it because that really helps you uh, get out of the cycle of allowing that to rule your world. That's right. That's right. I was discussing it with a student and we were I had I had kept saying name it name your inner critic name it mm-hmm. and then I described was giving a bunch of ideas of ways to go about it and then I said all you need is an identifier and for some reason that was like flipped a switch mm. for the student and then she was like oh okay Cool. Oh, that okay. I just need to be able to identify them. Yeah. They don't need to have fancy ass names. Right. They they can if you want them to, but it could literally be like the blue one, the yeah. black one, the gr- green one, <laughs> right, you know, right. whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it could be like you said, really anything. So yeah. I think I've had people who've had ones that are they're almost like a cloud. They're not. Mm. It's not like they're male or female or anything like that. So yeah, have fun with that. Cool. So yeah, that's all I had had to add. Thank you for that. All right. 
I am sending you all so very much love. We'll see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Ms. Smith, out. <laughs>